Extra time, Immaculate Grid, Grid 157 for Wednesday, the 6th of September. This is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. That is the main show where Steve and I, you know, discuss different things on how the game has changed, on how we view the game, how we consume the game. So last week, last Saturday, the episode was on rule changes and how changes in rules have changed how we view the game. And week prior to that, which is now our number one episode, is on instant replay and how instant replay has changed on how we view the game and some of the things that we'd like to see moving forward from instant replay to improve the game. But check out the main show that is every Saturday drops at noon on Saturdays on Pacific time. And this is the extra time show. This is Immaculate Grid. This is daily at 9 p.m. Pacific. So apologies, still recovering from getting sick this weekend. So my voice is still a little horsey. But uh, let's jump into the grid. And as always, let's look at the columns from left to right. We have Houston Astros on the far left. In the middle, we have the Colorado Rockies. And then on the right-hand column, we have career achievement. We have 30-plus stolen bases in a season. Then for the rows, top to bottom, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates. In the middle, we have the Texas Rangers. And at the bottom, we have All-Star. And to flex a little bit, we've been hunting scarcity the last couple of days. I think this is our lowest yet, 15% total. And according to my buddy, Tony, he looked at it and he's like, dude, I didn't know there were two decimal place percentages that you could get to. And I've got a couple of those today. So really worked hard to get the scarcity. Didn't really have to flex my brain that much. Only, you know, we'll get to the one that I probably spent the most time trying to remember, remember the name. But uh Let's just go ahead and jump right in. So on the far right-hand side, we always start, we like to start with the career achievement. So top right square, 30 stolen bases and Pittsburgh Pirates. This one, we went Andy Van Slyke. We went slick. Uh, I always was a fan of Andy Van Slyke. I liked him a lot when he was, of course, a Cardinal, and then he would get traded to the Pirates, and then the Pirates had that run, those three straight years where they went to the NLCS and unfortunately were felled by Cincinnati and by the Braves twice. And this is back when you go, what? How are the Pirates felled by those guys? Well, you know, the Reds and the Braves were in the West. They were in the NL West. Go figure. But of the Pirates that fit in this square, 33 total players satisfied, but 10 of the 33 are during my lifetime. And so going in reverse order from most recent to oldest, you have Starling Marte's the most recent. He did it five times. His high was 47 in 2016. Andrew McCutcheon at 33 in 2010. Tony Womack did it a couple of times with a high of 60 in 1997. And of course, Womack stole a bunch of bases for Colorado and for Arizona as well. 
He had Al Martin. I, I I remember Al Martin. I don't remember him swiping a whole bunch of bags, but he had 38 and 96, which I just don't remember that at all. Then, of course, he had Barry. Barry Bonds, six times, high of 52 in 1990. Van Slyke did it a couple of times. He had a high of 34 in 87. Lee Lacey, I barely remember Lee Lacey. Um, he did it a couple times, had a high of 40 in 1982. And then here's probably the most prolific modern base stealer for the Pirates. But Omar Moreno, he did it six times and he had a high of 96. And that is also the Pittsburgh single season record. And of the 96, we got to be very careful in how we caveat this. That is the 10th most in a single season post-1900. So post-1900, that's a 10th highest, tied for 10th with Ty Cobb. Phil Garner did it a couple times, and his high was 32. He actually did that both of those times, was 77 and 80. And then Frank Tavares, he did it three times with a high of 70 in 1977. But like I said, we went Van Slyke here, 3%, and... He is going to be the player profile that we're going to talk about here at the end of the show. Next one down, you go Texas and 30 plus stolen bases. And we went Gary Pettis. I don't know what it is, but there was this slew of center fielders that the Rangers seem to have had that were, you know, didn't really hit a whole lot, but. They stole a lot of bags. They played good defense. It was like each generation had its own guy. And we're going to talk about a couple of those guys. Like Gary Pettis might have been, you know, maybe the early one during my lifetime. But, you know, they had several of these kind of dudes on their team playing center field. No, you know, no stick, but could run, play defense. But in reverse order, there's 17 for the Rangers. And of course, the Rangers franchise has been in existence basically at the beginning of my lifetime. The Rangers were the Washington Senators, the second iteration or third, depending on how you want to look at it, that uh, moved over in the early 70s over to, you know, basically Dallas area, Arlington. But in reverse order, you have Elvis Andrus. He did it five times with a high of 42 in 2013. Leonis Martin did it a couple of times with a high of 36 in 2013. Ian Kinsler did it twice. He had 31 in 2009. Alfonso Soriano, he had 30 in 2005. And then Tom Goodwin. Tom Goodwin is kind of like that next generation Gary Pettis. He was a former Royal. He did it a couple times. 39 in 1988 was his high. It's just, I, I don't know. It just seems like they had these. Otis Nixon. Otis Nixon was a Ranger. He had 50 steals in 95. Again, Otis Nixon. <coughs> again. <coughs> Still recovering from being sick. Apologies. Otis Nixon, right? He was a. At Les Exposition, he was a twin. He would throw in, uh, you know, a few years with Atlanta. But, you know, didn't really hit a whole lot. 
but played good defense, stole a lot of bases. Julio Franco did it a couple times, 36 for a high in 1990. Of course, Pettis, he had 38 and 90. Cecil Espy, here's another guy, two times, 45 stolen bases. Another outfield, speedy outfielder, wasn't even in the league very long, and stole some bags. And here's possibly, definitely top five. Top five baseball names all time. We got to start keeping track of this. Odeby McDowell. Love Odeby McDowell. Just his name by itself has got to be awesome. But he, he did it a couple times, 33, uh, both in 86 and 88, had 33 each year. Odeby McDowell. He and Gary Pettis, same guy. Same guy. Changed the name. Changed, you know, maybe the stature a little bit, but couldn't hit really that much and could play good defense and could run. Steelbacks, same guy. Billy Sample, he had 44 and 83. Wayne Tolleson, I remember Wayne Tolleson. If you would have asked me if that guy could steal some bags, I would have like, eh, I guess. He had 33 and 83. I, I don't remember that at all. Just not at all. Then you have Bump Wills. He did it three times, and he had a high of 52 and 78. 52 is also the single season high for the franchise. And then Bobby Bonds. Bobby Bonds, right? He had his rando ranger fling. He stole 37 bags in 78. Toby Hara had 31 in 78. Lenny Randall had 30 in 76. Another one of these could run, play defense. Didn't really hit that much. And then Dave Nelson, he did it a couple times with 51 in 72. So let's round out the rest of the grid and then do our highlight on Andy Van Slyke. So top left-hand square, that is Houston and the Pirates. We went Billy Hatcher with 0.3%. Billy Hatcher, kind of mostly known for shattering his bat when he was playing for Houston and his bat being correct getting suspended for that. Then for Pirates and Rockies, you have Denny Neagle. So he was a Colorado 8%. He would win 20 games with the Braves. Left-hander. Denny Neagle was solid. And like most of the pitchers that were solid that go to Colorado, you know, you had some rough years as a Rocky. Left-hand side, middle row for Houston and Texas. We went Danny Darwin here, 5.5%. Danny Darwin, here it is. Add him to the list. Here's another guy in the league forever, and somehow him. It's, it's like the Giants were trying to find washed-up Houston Astro pitchers. Let's get Danny Darwin. Let's get Jim Deshays. Let's get Bob Nepper. Spoiler alert, he's coming up. Danny Darwin's another one of those guys that the Giants just had to, you know, wow, we got to get that guy. 0.5% Danny Darwin. In the middle, here's the one. This is a little embarrassing. So this is the one I had to think about. Rocky and Ranger. So this is the middle square. I went Darren Oliver, 1%. And I was sitting there scratching my brain. I was like, okay, who's the pitcher, relief pitcher? And, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking, Patrick Mahomes' dad, Pat Mahomes, where I'm like, no, no, it's not him. It's the other guy. And, you know, I don't want to sound racist, but it's like, oh, man. Just like, you know, 
black eye reliever. And there aren't that many, right? Let's just call it what it is. We need more. We're, we're starting to get more diversity in the big leagues, but it's more international diversity, not necessarily, you know, local diversity, which is a little bit of a shame for Major League Baseball. But I was like, oh, what is that guy's name? What is that guy, guy's name? It took me forever to come up with uh, Darren Oliver's name. So I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was sitting there just racking my brain. I'm like, oh, it's not Pat Mahomes. It's not Pat Mahomes. It's not Pat Mahomes. It's the other guy. So apologies to you, Darren Oliver. That's on me. Um, you know, I'll take the I'll take the L on this one. Then bottom left hand square, we have Houston Astros and All Star, and I went Bob Nepper, point zero eight percent Bob Nepper. Now Bob Nepper actually started his career as a Giant, went to the Astros. Actually, was solid as an Astro. He was, he was, you know, he's so-so as a Giant, but solid as an Astro. And then, of course, you know, the Giants like, oh, we we got to figure out a way to bring Bob Nepper back at the end of his career. It's like, what are we doing here, Giants? What are we doing? Terrible, terrible, America, terrible. Then in the bottom middle square for All Star and Colorado Rocky, we have Sean Chacon. So he's 02 percent. And then I neglected to give you the bottom right-hand square. We we jumped, and I apologize. So bottom right-hand square, all-star in 30-plus stolen bases in a season. Hey, we we just highlighted his career the other day, Devon White. And he comes in at 0.09%. So check that out. Also, just to give you a note, the descriptions have changed. So over the last few weeks, we've changed how we do the descriptions. We put the players and the highlights at the top. So you do not have to press more. The old way that we used to do it, we had a general description, but if you wanted to see who we talked about, you'd have to press the more button to see the additional stuff. So I apologize. We've we've changed that since to make it a little bit easier. These are all evergreen topics. So every episode is evergreen. Granted, the grid is from that particular day, but we're talking about players and things that have happened in yesteryear. So these are all evergreen. So you can listen to those episodes and not worry about, hey, you didn't listen to it on the day of that particular grid. And then if you also want to see, chances are we talked about a player or two in that particular grid. So if any of those are your favorite players, uh, you can also tell from the grid itself, the icon for that day will be the grid from that day. So it makes it a little bit easier to find. But let's highlight Mr. Andy Van Slyke. 13 seasons in the league. From 83 to 86, he was a Cardinal. He would be traded to the Pirates, and the major portions of that trade were he and Mike Lavalle for Tony Pena. So at that time, Tony Pena was widely considered the best defensive catcher in the majors. And, I mean, he was good. But looking at him today as compared to today and looking at him compared to Pud Rodriguez and some of the guys that came after, you know, I think his reputation was more built on flash than anything real. And, I'm, you know, not to take anything away from Pena, but, you know, I think there was a lot more hype at that point. And Pena would be OK for the Cardinals. He would go to the 87 World Series. He's the one who hit the ball that Miss, that Kenny Almaldonado misplayed, that forced game seven in the NLCS and the Giants lost. 
Um, but you know, he's all right. But Van Slyke, Van Slyke was a key piece of those late 80, early 90s pirates. And again, they went to three straight NLCSs. But uh, he was a three-time All-Star as a pirate. He was a pirate from 87 to 94, five-time gold glove, two-time silver slugger. He finished MVP four twice in 88 and 92. But in 88, now the biggest component here is 88, it was the Mets and the Dodgers won the respective divisions. The Pirates would finish 15 games back of the Mets at 85 and 75. So they didn't even play a full 162 because they were too far out. It didn't matter. They didn't even play the makeup games. Van Slyke had a war of 6.4. Gibson had a war of 6.5. So basically dead even. Gibson had 106 runs to Van Slyke's 101. They both would hit 25 home runs, but Van Slyke would have 15 triples, which would lead the league. Van Slyke would best Gibson by 24 RBI. Gibson had 76. Van Slyke had 100. Gibson had 31 steals. Van Slyke had 30. Gibson would have a slash of 290, 377, and 483, where Van Slyke would have 288, 345, and 506. So Gibson would have two points better on the average. 32 points better on on-base average, but be 23 points below on slugging. Van Slyke would finish MVP for that season. And I'm not suggesting even that necessarily Van Slyke wins, but, you know, does he finish second or third? Why does he, why does he finish fourth? He was arguably second best player <clears throat> that particular year. In 92, Barry runs away with it. He has a war of nine, and he runs away with the MVP award, as he should have. However, Terry Pendleton finishes second. And this is the year after Terry Pendleton won MVP with a batting, where he led the league in batting at like 319. He has a war of five. Van Slyke has a war of six. Pendleton would bat 311, 345, 473. He'd have 98 runs. He would tie Van Slyke with the most hits with 199. He'd have 21 home runs, 105 RBI, and five stolen bases. Van Slyke would have five more runs at 103, tie in hits, 199, seven fewer home runs at 14, and he had 89 RBI, so 16 fewer, and 12 stolen bases, seven more. But he led the league in doubles with 45. Additionally, he batted 324, 381, and 505. So he had 13 points to the better on the average. He had 36 points better on, on base. And he had 32 points to the better in slugging. And is it one of those things where they took the two best teams in the league and split the votes between Barry and Pendleton, and they couldn't go 1-2 on the Pirates? Is that what happened that year? Because that's a little phony. I think, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting Van Slyke beats out Bonds that year, but he definitely was an MVP for. And Gary Sheffield finished third that year. And Sheffield had a solid season. I mean, so maybe it goes one, two, three, but Pendleton at second. And I think it's just one of those things. Well, well, the Braves won the West, so 
you know, we got to give it. We got to have Braves. He's the best player on the Braves, so we got to give him something. I don't know. I think that's phony. And then Van Slyke would move on in 1995. He would play for Baltimore and Philadelphia, and that would be it. He would finish his career with 41.3 war. His final slash was 274, 349. 443 and he'd have an OPS plus of 119. So he's 19% better than the average major leaguer during his playing time. And he would finish with 835 runs, 164 home runs, 792 RBI, and 245 stolen bases. Vance Slight very much was, you know, your second or third best player. And if he's your second or third best player, you were in the hunt every year. And, and pretty much the Pirates were. And then, of course, Barry leaves, becomes a giant, goes to the Giants in 93. And, you know, they start disassembling that team. You know, Bonan, the Barbarian, Bobby Bonilla leaves, Van Slyke leaves, start getting rid of all the pitching that they had. And uh, very quickly, the Pirates became terrible after this. But Van Slyke was very good, you know, fielder and uh, solid, solid player. And he's a guy that I think most teams would take. And if he's your best player in your team, maybe you're not that good. But if he's your second or third best player, you're probably doing pretty well. Anyhow, that is extra time. Immaculate grid, grid 157 for Wednesday, the 6th of September. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers.